So when he says silence, he doesn't mean, pardon the expression, shut up. What he means is, you know, if you don't have something worthwhile to say, don't say it. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing as our moms used to say, if you can't say something nice about somebody, don't say it. It's not that. It's think first. This week, we get a little bit of a history lesson and marriage advice from the great Ben Franklin. Well, Ben Franklin isn't here, but Dr. Noel Nelson is. Stay tuned. I'm going to go ahead and self-promote here. I've co-authored my first book. It's called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. And it's part biography, part self-help, part leadership book, and a part sports story. And it's very inspirational. It tells the story of the UCLA gymnastics head coach, Valerie Condos Field, who has become one of the winningest coaches in NCAA history. Yet, she never did gymnastics. In fact, she's never even played competitive sports in her life. She was a professional ballerina. As you can imagine, she has an amazing story and she is an amazing person. And I'm really proud of the book that we have put together. It's out now wherever books are sold. And again, it is called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. Oh, and if you read it, please leave a review or email to let me know what you think. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant Dr. Noel Nelson. Hi, Noel. <laughs> Hi, Steve. Hello. Uh, so, Noel is a relationship expert, a popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad, Noelle is also the author of many, many best-selling books, including Your Man is Wonderful and Dangerous Relationships. Her most recent book is Happy, Healthy, Dead, and you can get this information and much more at her website, noellenelson.com. I'm kind of excited, Noelle, because you have a very interesting topic for us this week. Um, (laughs) It is Benjamin Franklin's Virtues, Part 1. Uh, which means there will be a future podcast with a part two. Um, Absolutely. So when I saw this, you know, there was a little confusion about what the the, the subject of the next couple podcasts might be. Um, and it sounds like it could be outdated and potentially not relevant to marriage, but I know that's not your style. <laughs> so what gives? <laughs> Oh, dear. Well, you know, I like to keep you entertained, Steve. Well, thank you. Um, Anytime. When I was, I I just stumbled. You know, one of the wonderful things about the internet is that it throws things up in your on your screen that you had no intention of looking at and this was one of those i don't know why ben franklin's virtues uh came up on my screen but i got really really intrigued because these were the what he called virtues what we would now probably call character traits or personality Mm -hmm. traits or habits that he very deliberately cultivated and which turned him from a person of that didn't have any big family connections or any of that stuff, very modest means, into what was in his day and age a huge success internationally. Hmm. Um, So not just the things that we think of, you know, anecdotally about Ben Franklin, but overall, he was in his day and age a very, very successful and well-regarded individual. And he attributed that success and how how he uh, acquired it, developed it to these virtues. So that got me intrigued. 
And as I started to look at them, I was thinking, you know what? All of these, as far as I'm concerned, would apply very, very well to upgrading your marriage. Mm. Now, do you know if he extolled these virtues to like the was he like a self-help guy back in the day, or was this just like one of his own personal philosophies that he kind of journaled and what were later discovered? To the best of my uh, knowledge, it was more for his own development. And probably talked about it with some people, but sure. you know, it was something he systematically cultivated for himself. Much like some of us might meditate or go to therapy, we don't necessarily talk about it to a whole bunch of people. Right. I just you know just. Yeah. Curious if uh, there was a, n- a new nugget that I was like, "Wow, Andy is a self-help genius." Um, <laughs> um, okay, so then, what would be the first virtue that you would like to discuss? The first is silence. Let me say, say it exactly as Mr. Franklin wrote it: "Speak not, but what may benefit others or yourself. Avoid trifling conversation." So when he says silence, he doesn't mean pardon the expression, shut up. What he means is, you know, if you don't have something worthwhile to say, don't say it. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing as our moms used to say, if you can't say something nice about somebody, don't say it. It's not that. It's think first. Think first before you open your mouth. And let's face it, in marriage, think first before you open your mouth is a really, really good guideline. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing more tempting when you're with that person that you know loves you and cares about you and is supportive of you to just kind of blab whatever comes to your head. This also Not always the best option. Yeah, well, this also seems uh, – so, uh, as you know, <laughs> I have worked on a book that is now out. Um, yes. And it's, Congratulations. Thank yes. You, thank you so much. Um, when we're recording this, it's a week out, but by the time this goes up, it'll have been out. Um, and, and for the curious, um, I'm not going to play coy. It's called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. And I co-authored it with the UCLA gymnastics head coach. And um, one of the things that she talks about, and she didn't – so there's it's very much a self-help book. And she was apprehensive about writing it because she was like, you know, everything that has to be said has already been like, that's worth saying has already been said. And I, I feel like it directly applies to this. And one of her friends and ultimately convincing her to write this book told her that is true for the most part. However, we need to hear these things in a modern vernacular. We need to hear these things in a way that will resonate in present time. Um, and so I, you know, obviously some people can look back and, and like you and, and hear and read Ben Franklin's, uh, words and apply them. Uh, but in, in this book, like we talk about, uh, how she has, uh, very little interest in small talk. And I, that's I, good. When you were talking about like the trifling conversation, that was immediately where my mind went about, you know, she, if you're going to say something, make it important. Be mindful of it. Make it uh, substantial. Um, not that there's no value in small talk, but in, as a general principle, um, small talk, uh, you know, you could probably do without it and be just fine and move forward. With your well, and let's, let's if, we, if, we, if we can, Steve, to clarify for um, our listeners, small talk does not mean you can't say, gosh, what a gorgeous sunset. Right. If if the gorgeous sunset touches your heart, 
That is not small talk. Uh-huh. That is sharing something that is worthwhile. Small talk is when you're just filling space. Small talk is when you're sort of just rambling because honestly you can't think of a of a decent thing to say, and so blah blah blah. So instead of what comes out of your mouth, instead of look at that beautiful sunset which is resonating with you, you fill in the gap with man. How about this weather, huh? Which is exactly, exactly. Thank you. Still about the environment, but completely separate and different. And you don't care. And yeah, no, yeah, you really don't. Yeah, exactly. You're not invested. Right. And the, the thing that, speaking about modernizing, your co-author has such a great point, is that as far as I'm concerned, silence also applies to, in order, tweeting, mm-hmm. texting, posting on Facebook. In other words, it, it's not just about verbal communication, but, you know, before you send out some, some text that just says, I don't know, my toenail is funky, or, or whatever, think for a second, is that is that a worthwhile piece of information or is it a worthwhile expression of emotion to share? Or is it just you having nothing better to do and there go your thumbs? Yeah. It's, it's, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I cannot tell you how many drafts of text messages, tweets, Facebook posts that I compose. And honestly, probably like 80% of them never get sent. Because I will start writing them, I will compose them, I will look at it, I will read it, and I'll say, like, yeah, that's what I want to say. And then, because I've spent so much time on it, I think, well, is it necessary? Is it fulfilling any, like, need or reason? And then I'm like, no, I feel like I wrote that to get it out of my own system, but not because I truly wanted to communicate with that other person. Exactly. And that's an important distinction to make. There are plenty of things that one needs to get off one's chest, out of one's own system. Great. That's what journals are for. Mm-hmm. That's what talking to your dog is for <laughs> or ranting in the car by yourself. Yeah. It's not what you want to be uh, communicating to another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we're talking silence, which I, oh God, I, yes. I love that virtue. Like I think it's so important. And one of the one of the first techniques that I learned in journalism school was the power of silence when you're interviewing yes. somebody. Because when you ask a question and they give you just their re- reflexive response, and then you just sit there in silence, they feel very, most people feel very uncomfortable with that silence. And then they feel the need to yes, fill it. Do. And then they start giving you more. Of a of a truly well thought out response because they understand like oh that didn't work, um, so right. silence by Ben Franklin's definition certainly fits uh, with good communication skills, um, but I want to move on from that. Uh, so mm-hmm. what what would be the next virtue? The next virtue, and and mind you, these words are slightly old fashioned, but mm-hmm. the concept behind them is not. His second is order. And the way he expresses it, Mr. Franklin says, let all your things have their places. Let each part of your business have its time. The second one's the one that really hit home to me for marriage. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, let things have their place. Yes, you want to keep your physical stuff organized, right? It's just not, not fair to your spouse to be dropping your towels wherever you feel like dropping them or your dirty laundry or whatever else. Mm-hmm. You know, never picking up the kids' toys, that kind of thing. Okay, that's pretty basic and obvious. But 
Let each part of your business have its time. Let's think about that. That has to do with prioritizing. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, when it comes to marriage, especially after the first few years, our tendency is to assume the other's love and appreciation and devotion and not make the time that you and I have talked about so much. Steve, uh, for date night or for just quality time uh, before dinner or before you guys go to sleep, whenever it is, but make time because years go by so fast and you want to cherish and savor that wonderful time with this extremely special person Mm -hmm. that where there's been that mutual choice and decision to share your lives together. And prioritizing – so. Uh, people ask me, knowing who I am and what I do, uh, will ask mm-hmm. me what's my best marriage advice. And I've mentioned it on the podcast before. And I think it's so interesting that Franklin put it this way. But I always say mm-hmm. my, my top piece of advice for married couples is to prioritize your marriage first. And when you do that, yes. everything else falls in line. Because if you have taken yes. care of the marriage, um, then everything else will become that much easier. And I think what happens to the point that you were making is, so the first couple of years, absolutely, because you're still like in that like really excited stage. Um, but then career, uh, kids, family issues, whatever, and your marriage gets put on a back burner because it's like, well, we're good. We're solid. Yes. And you this stop, yeah. then you start taking it for granted. Um, but if you yep. put your marriage in that order, uh, first um, and you think of it like a triage and you say like, okay, that's the most important thing first, then all that other stuff will become that much easier. So it's, um, and again, I, I, you want, you, one of the things that I do want to point out and I, I feel like I say this every time I mention this while you, while I do recommend prioritizing your marriage first, like I also understand that there are times when you will need to, uh, other things will take up more time than what your marriage will require. It's not that you have to put like all your time into your marriage all the time. Um, but no, and, and that's unreasonable. No. Yeah, but just know that that's the most important thing. And I think a lot of times people will say that their marriage is the most important thing to them. Um, one of the like examples I like to use is like when you ask people like, "What's the most important thing in your life?" They will say, "Oh, my my spouse and my kids." Right. And, mm-hmm. and you ask them, like, oh, so what was the last time you did, did something for them or showed them that or told them Or that, with them. <laughs> or were with them or, like, any of those things, right? And, and right. it was, like, a long pause because they had to really think about right. it. And it's like, well, if it was really that important, you would be more active in that. And, you know, like so- I said – it's a reminder, right? It's a reminder. Don't just say do. Yes, yes. And so, for example, like I, I'm being totally shamelessly self-promotive, uh, promoting this week. My book that I co-authored comes out this week. It's going to be a busy week for me. Um, but my spouse knows this. I still do things for her. She's doing things for me. Um, but I also know that we might not be doing as much things together or – as deliberate as we might normally do because there's like something exceptional going on this week. Um, so anyways, but here's the thing. 
is that there's something exceptional going on this week, which you've been very clearly communicating to right. your spouse. Right. And you will probably, knowing you, Steve, make some sort of plan to have, spend some extra time together or do something special together or whatever once the, the major brouhaha has died down. Right. So it's again the word is prioritized. The word is not ninety percent of all effort, time, energy goes to your spouse. Prioritize is a very different word. It's like your triage mm-hmm. analogy, which is very good. It's like let's put it first. Now first doesn't mean necessarily spend three hours with. Mm-hmm. Correct. First can mean any number of things. It's that intention and then acting on the intention and being really clear with your spouse about it. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um Okay, so then uh, Ben uh, has some more recommendations for us. So beyond order and um, and time, what comes next? And if I may just go back to order for a second. Sure. It's interesting to me that his choice of word there for his virtue was not the word time. It was the word order, which really speaks to the prioritizing aspect more than anything else. So that's just a... Yeah, no, that's a great a observation. Dead. Yeah, yeah. But the next thing he talks about out is resolution (laughs) and his sentence for it is resolve to perform what you ought perform without fail what you resolve and as always it's the second part of his sentence that grabs me the most Mm -hmm. which is perform without fail what you resolve because i mean we say we're going to do x y or z all the time but we don't necessarily perform without fail that X, Y, or Z that we said we were going to do. Mm-hmm. So it's more important to make less resolutions. And by that, I simply mean you saying to your spouse, we're going to go out on Sunday morning for brunch or whatever. Is You can make less of those, but if you follow through with every one that you make, all of a sudden you are an incredibly trustworthy spouse. So would uh, a more modern way of saying that um, in terms uh, – of what we're talking about, uh, quality over quantity? Could be. Another way of saying it, it, it contemporarily, is, you know, don't don't say it if you're not going to do it. Don't promise mm-hmm. what you can't deliver. Which also or, falls or back on Or are not the, willing. Yeah, which falls back on the first virtue. Yeah. Of yes, it does. Being thoughtful of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you see the thing that, that okay, one of the things I've noticed, the difference between the the um, the vendors that I will work with and those I will not work with, mm-hmm. is if a vendor says to me, I'll have it for you Tuesday by noon, and delivers Tuesday at 11.55, I will stay with them. If the vendor says to me, oh, I can get it to you early, you know, I'll get it Tuesday morning, and I don't get it until Wednesday afternoon, they're gone. Mm-hmm. They've totally lost, lost my trust. Now, the quality of the goods delivered may be equal. But the promise wasn't wasn't fulfilled. So that's the thing. Marriage relies on what? Foundation is trust. Mm-hmm. And trust is built on promises kept. Right. Right. I don't care whether it's fidelity, budget, you know, picking up the kid. doesn't matter what it is. Trust is built on promises kept. Yeah. I mean, you, you will need to lean on people, lean on your spouse. And for mm-hmm. that to happen, and for you to be willing to do that, you need to have trust. So that's absolutely. Exactly. So his word, you know, resolution is, again, it's a bit, bit old-fashioned of the dude we were talking a couple of centuries ago right. here. Uh, but the concepts 
are not. Yeah. And as you say, there many of them are reflected in your new book. Yeah. The concepts are evergreen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. This is. I'm. I'm starting to finally see a. Not finally, but I'm. I'm definitely seeing <laughs> how this is super applicable for uh, today's topic. Okay. So. Um, the last one that you know, I have why, for you. Well got herself all hot, hot and bothered about Ben Franklin. <laughs> well, no, I, you know, I, I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff. You know that. Uh, and have you, by the way, have you read, um, I think Walter Isaacson wrote it, uh, the Ben Franklin uh, biography? No, I don't think I have. I have Now either. you have me curious. No, yeah. No, there's, uh, it might have been, I think it's Walter Isaacson, but um, there so way back in the day, I used to work at um, Entrepreneur Magazine, and they put out a uh, biography on Ben Franklin. And I remember like the office was a buzz because we got this deal where they had discovered like a bunch of his old journals. And so uh-huh. the biography was constructed based on his personal journals. And so I now I feel dumb for bringing it up. <laughs> up and not having read it. <laughs> but um, I am interested in it. And I was just curious if you had and what your thoughts might have been. So anyway. no. no. Um, okay. So then the last one we have here is um, that, that take on resolution um, would certainly solve a lot of marital issues. Uh, so then what would be next after that? Well, the last one that I think we'll discuss today is a word that's really old fashioned. <laughs> Frugality. Mm. Frugality actually sounds to most of us, certainly did to me before I read what he meant by it, like, you know, counting every last penny and making yourself miserable in the process. That's, sure. that's where my head goes with frugality. That's not at all what he means. He says, now listen to the difference. Make no expense but to do good to others or yourself. Waste nothing. In other words, it doesn't matter if what you want to spend your money on is a massage or college tuition, that's not the point. Frugality isn't, well, don't, don't allow yourself the least little luxury. Frugality is don't waste it. Mm. Whether you spend a dollar or, you know, 10000 whatever it is, be purposeful about what you spend. Mm. Now, see, that would resolve an awful lot of spouse arguments over budget. Yeah. In other words... Yeah, you, you need to be upfront about why you want those golf, golf clubs and how they are for the good of yourself and or others because you're faced with the washing machine argument, <laughs> well, you, <laughs> which is kind of more obvious. But yeah. frugality is not called deprive yourself of the golf clubs. Frugality means don't, don't, don't waste money. So maybe frugality in that context would be how about – we do the golf clubs on a layaway plan, mm-hmm. or we scout the coupons, because I'll bet even that, even golf clubs have promotions or coupons oh, or yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah. um, okay, apparently said from the word of one mouth of one who knows, <laughs> et cetera. Washing machines, so maybe we, we, you know, we, we hunker down and we actually go visit five different appliance stores plus troll the, the web, whatever. It, frugality means, again, think first. Mm-hmm. Think first. You don't want to waste that money. Um, you, know, you don't want to waste anything. Yeah, no, you know what's interesting about this? So essentially, like almost all of these virtues that have been brought up are mindfulness and purposefulness. Yes, exactly. And one of the interesting things about it is I, I love 
I love your distinction between his definition of frugality and purposeful purchase with intention. And Mm -hmm. the thing about that is, so like golf clubs, right? Like we don't need golf clubs to live, but when you do it with purpose, that gives Mm -hmm. you greater appreciation for Mm -hmm. why you're doing it. And I think it, that, like mindfulness is one of those words that people are just like, oh, woo, woo, mindfulness, blah, blah, blah. But it really does change what's happening inside of us when we think about why we're doing something yes. and what we get out of it and how we're going yes. to use it. Um, it's not just this reactionary, oh, I want that because it's nice and shiny. It's, oh, I'm going right. to spend time with friends. I'm going to be outside and enjoying nature and I'm going right. to get a little physical activity. Right. And when you start thinking about the purpose for why you want the clubs, mm-hmm. you you then – uh, you're you're exercising the frugality that Ben Franklin's talking about, which I think is really cool. Correct. Now you're thinking about the good it can do for yourself or others. See, that's why his virtues may on the surface appear old-fashioned and outdated, but really there is nothing more contemporary than mindfulness. Right. And well, the other thing that I was going to say is not only that, but then when you do make a purchase like that with that kind of intention, mm-hmm. you strip yourself mm-hmm. of the, the kind of guilt that may come along with it where you feel bad for spending you know, X number of dollars on something right. like that that you might think on the surface is like a, a, a more modern sense of a luxury. frugal. Yeah, a luxury. Exactly. Right. But now right. you're like, well, no, no, no. I got this because I want to, you know, right. it's going to do all the things that I've previously mentioned. So, right. Right. And the thing is that when you start really thinking about the good that something is going to do for yourself or other, and again, it doesn't have to be a good like world peace. It can be a good like a massage or golf clubs, is that then when you approach, well, now how am I going to um, manage the expense of this, this whatever, becomes all of a sudden a lot more feasible because you'll look at ways to do it that aren't going to harm other parts of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Now, can you yeah. can you distinguish for me really quick the difference between being purposeful and finding finding a reason to make like sometimes you'll hear people like I need that and and they will then find justification for it as opposed to being more mindful about it. Well, if if I need that comes from because the neighbors next door have it or because my girlfriend has it or because my boyfriend insists, uh, I'm sorry, that's not purposeful. Mm. That's that's just reactive, if you will. But if it's I need that as in, hmm, well, let me think about why I'm getting this urge. Hmm, is it is it of any benefit to me? Well... There's pros and cons. I mean, if you're honest with yourself, Steve, you'll suss out which part of that is just justification and which part of it is legitimate. And really, the only person who ever knows that is yourself. Yeah. No. Great point. It's not up to other people to judge us. Yep. Um, well, I, I could continue talking about this. And fortunately, we will. <laughs> there will be <laughs> oh, a, yes. Because there will be a part two to this uh, podcast Correct. episode. Um, so with that, um, I think it's, it's safe to wrap it up. Is that, are you cool with that? 
I would agree. I would agree. And I think that, you know, I I very much appreciated your pointing out the uh, modernization aspect of these virtues because they really are timeless. Oh, good. Uh, I know I did it in a very self-promotional way, but I do think it, um, I think it totally applies because, you know, anyways. Uh, So with that, we will wrap up this episode. So I want to thank you so much for your time, Noelle. It is always a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. And before we go, I want to remind everyone that you have been listening to Dr. Noelle Nelson, who is a relationship expert, a popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad. She is also the author of many, many best-selling books. Her two most recent relationship books are Your Man is Wonderful and Dangerous Relationships. Uh, Her most... Her newest book that you can purchase, which I highly recommend, it is fantastic. It is called Happy, Healthy, Dead. You can find all this information at her website, noellenelson.com. And I mention this every time Noelle is on the podcast. Uh, she also has a group on Facebook that I recommend following. It is called Meet the Amazings. Um, and she regularly posts about um, people in their 60s, 70s, 80s. 60s actually might be too young. 70s, 80s, 90s. It is now. Yeah, 100 plus doing really amazing things. Um, I'm talking like rowing, you know, channels across continents and taking up weightlifting and, you know, all all sorts of like really, really cool things that uh, is really inspiring and just is a reinforcement of you can live a very happy, healthy, active lifestyle all the way to the end. And since this is the Hitch podcast, hopefully with your spouse. So, um, absolutely. Right. Right. And so that's the other thing too. So I, it's, it's, it's great inspiration. And sometimes, you know, we get flooded with all this negative info. It's one of those things that like every time it pops up on my feet, I'm like, Ooh, I love that. That's great. So check it out. It's called meet the amazings. Um, and so that is going to do it for this week. Uh, until next time, take care, everybody. Everybody. The world is ours tonight.